Hey going, my name's Jake Kerr, and this is the Black Ink Podcast, episode number 18. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's podcast, which was a bit of an introduction to the new kind of headquarters that we've got here, this new space, uh, the new house that we're living in with this big additional kind of uh, area, which is added onto the back of it, which I have just kind of made the new habitat for Black Ink. I've got work areas, I've got production areas, I've got my podcast area. Just so you know, I know this looks a bit average at the moment. I'm going to get everything behind me all spruced up. So this looks really cool, really like podcast-esque and just kind of, you know, about Black Ink sort of stuff. I keep on finding cool bits and pieces that I've, I want to add to the, to the set sort of thing. So I'm just having fun with it at the moment, but bear with me because this is going to be heaps cooler. Now, <clears throat> if you're a day one listener, you've heard all of the 17 podcasts, you follow the saga of my videos getting deleted, you follow me on Instagram, you follow me on Facebook, you even follow me on TikTok, you like, subscribe, you comment on everything, you save all my posts and you DM me regularly. I just want to say thank you. It's starting to happen, you know what I mean? It's starting to happen. I've been going pretty hard now for six or seven months and thing, and the ball, I just, I feel like the ball, I've been making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And now it's starting to roll ever so slightly. So now that ball's rolling, bitch, I don't stop. I don't fucking stop, you understand? Well, I do, I do, but you get the picture. Now, I wanted to tell a bit of a story today. Just so you know, I, I, as I said before, I come into these podcasts, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. I'm shooting from the hip, but I do have something kind of cool. Um, I always like, one of, one of the most fascinating topics in my mind and in my life is drugs. Uh, illegal drugs. Now, obviously, given the the fact that this lives on the internet forever, I really don't want to just for the, because they're illegal. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I don't want to get my friends in trouble. I want I don't want to get my myself in trouble. I don't want to get anyone who's associated with the stories in trouble. So I tend to avoid the the topic of drugs altogether. I I don't really like to get too deep into it. Every now and then you do a little flex. Oh, I'm smoking uh, artificial marijuana at a party. Look at me. I'm so cool. But you know, on as a standard, I try not to, you know, blatantly say like, oh, I, you know, I do drugs or whatever. And I mean, it's one of those weird things. I feel like if you're doing it, there's this assumption that everyone else is doing it. And it's kind of like when you're walking home all fucked up at like six o'clock on a Sunday morning and you're like walking wherever and the sun's coming up and you're just like assuming like, what the fuck would anyone be doing if they weren't fucked up right now? For some reason, you think because you're doing it, that's the world's bloody... That's the world's uh, kind of interest for the day, but you know that's not the case. And actually, even though there are a lot of people doing drugs, there are a lot of people who are not doing drugs. It's just uh, it's one of the and like I just want to, as a disclaimer, say right now, like I'm not under the influence of any drugs right now. On a standard day, I'm not under the influence of any drugs. I don't I don't seek drugs at this point in my kind of drug taking career. I let the drugs come to me, and if they're around and someone's offering them, I might do them. But even then, for the sake of uh, for the sake of this video and legal purposes, this is all just talking about a, um, <clears throat> this is all kind of a, for, what would you say, for for entertainment purposes, this is, none of this is real, you know what I mean, I'm just talking, this, this is literally just for the podcast, I'm making this up as I go, you understand? So, what I want to talk about today, now that I've wasted three and a half minutes of your time, is my first drug experience. Because unlike most people, I feel like, you know, they call weed the gateway drug because you smoke weed and then it leads to this and it leads to that. Now that I know a little bit about, a little bit about drugs and like I know a little bit about weed, weed is not a gateway drug. Weed is something that some people should be doing every fucking day. Weed is something that when it becomes proper legal across the first world and it has been legal for a minute, everyone's going to be like, why the fuck was there ever any legalities against this? It doesn't make sense. You don't really smoke weed and then want to go and bash your neighbor or something. You know, like in literally 90% or 95% of cases of regular smokers, they're going to smoke weed and they're going to forget about everything that was bothering them and go play some fucking PlayStation, eat some food, have some good sex, go hang out with their friends, go ride their push bike. They go and have fun, man. They have fun. You know what I mean? I don't know about you, but if I'm at a party and I start smoking weed, I want to go home and get comfortable, bro. I don't want to fucking start fights and shit. And then you got, I mean, everyone knows this, this, this thing that I'm about to say, and it's annoying because I've said it so many times in my life, but why the fuck is alcohol the thing that people go to? Like, I understand it's the legal thing and the list of things that are fun. It's like the most legal, most easily accessible, cheapest thing to get. And for some reason, everybody flocks to it. And I was thinking about this last night. 
I remember like, you know, when you're 16 and you're 17, you get in a situation where you're like sneaking your parents' booze or someone buys you some alcohol, whatever it was. I never really had the difficulty of finding and attaining the alcohol. The difficulty I had was understanding how the fuck people enjoyed the process of drinking and being drunk. Like for me, alcohol seemed to be something that you weren't allowed to do. And because you weren't allowed to do it, you got excited about doing it when you're allowed to do it or when you, you know, kind of broke past the, the rules and you did it, right? I didn't word that very well. What I mean is like alcohol became really attractive when you were 18 because of the fact that you're now allowed to go and do alcohol or drink alcohol, right? So with your like ID card, you'd walk in the fucking bottle shop with your chest out and you go like, I'm 18 and I'm going to buy 400 bucks worth of Jack Daniels and drink it all in one night. And the guy behind the counter is like, fucking cool, man cool and you're like yeah i know it's cool isn't it and you get in your car slam the door the green pea plate falls off the thing onto the dash you don't give a fuck because you're just smarter than everyone in the room you just drive off home or you drive to the party and you rock up you're holding your six pack like you're a fucking g you know what i mean and then you get pissed and getting pissed is getting pissed it's having like you know lower lower your inhibitions so that for some reason you think things are a good idea you don't have your balance, you can't talk, you're not, like, while you have, like, Dutch courage, you don't have the, like, essence of, like, um, integrity to pull it off, so, like, while you're, you're like, fuck yeah, I'll give that chick a compliment, that's sick, you kind of walk over to her, like, trying to think, like, how do I walk again, and when you get to her, you say the third word first, and just make a fuck out of yourself, because you're pissed, and the thing that I don't understand is, six months after that, why the fuck does anyone keep doing it? Like, I, like, this is a thing. Some people smoke weed every day and it's their thing, right? They smoke weed every day and it's their thing. They realize that in the spectrum of things that you can take that alter your conscious state, right? Because that's the only thing that all drugs have in common is they alter your conscious state, how you're feeling and how you're experiencing your life. And out of everything that you can do, some people will smoke weed every day because they realize that that feeling is something that they want in their life and they appreciate and they get something out of. But I mean, and there are people out there who feel that, I mean, I know people who very recreationally and very casually, but also very calculatedly, if that's a word, do drugs such as opioids or such as amphetamines and i'm not talking about mdma i mean like actually smoking meth regularly but not enough to be a demise on their life and it's something that like even to my surprise i watched them turn the switch on and turn the switch off and go about their life because they have made a calculated decision that this exact feeling is what i'm going for in my life or this is something that ticks with my brain chemistry and i'm happy to continue doing it i don't want to talk about the dangers or anything that's not the argument that i'm making what i'm saying is is even though these things are illegal, people can make that decision to go like, right, this is something that flows with me. This is something that I like. This is an experience that I'm trying to have in my life over and over and over again. And because of that, I place it specifically into interactions and situations that I believe it's gonna be super fruitful for me, the situation and maybe whoever I'm involved with and so on and so forth. The thing that I don't understand is, is why is the majority of people drinking alcohol? That makes me think that the majority of people aren't asking themselves the question whether they're drinking alcohol because everyone's doing it or whether they're drinking alcohol because they like the effect of it. Now let's talk about something that gives you an altered state of consciousness uh, that has nothing to do with drugs, right? If you drink too much milk, your tummy will get bloated, you'll feel sick, You'll throw up, you might shit your pants, right? Some people like doing that and they drink heaps of milk and they get bloated and they throw up and they shit their pants, right? Some people, very small minority, you might have a friend that does it and you don't know about it. That's how small the number of people who are doing it is. But what I'm saying is if everybody drunk milk, their stomach swelled up, they spewed up and shut their pants, at what point do people start asking, hang on, I get everyone's drinking milk. And look, don't get me wrong, milk is marketed so well, it's super affordable. I kind of like the taste of it, I guess. But man, I'm sick of shit in my pants. When you think about it, actually, you don't even have to think that hard about it. Alcohol is the exact same thing. So much so that it's ritualistic. So much so that people will get home and drink beer by themselves 
and not even appreciate the taste or what it's doing because they built so much of a routine out of it because it's just what everyone does. All the boys knock off at three o'clock or five o'clock and what's the first thing they do? Go out to the ute and if someone's got an angle full of beers, everyone grabs a beer on their way. Go home, have another beer on a Friday night. Finally, I get to have beers, but with the boys instead of just by myself. And you have to ask yourself at what point, like, is the hobby getting fat? Is the hobby wasting money? What the fuck are you doing it for? And don't get me wrong, I completely understand that people like to wind down in their own ways and all the rest, but don't use that as your excuse if you haven't tried anything else to wind down. If all you've ever done from when you got your bullshit apprenticeship up until now is had a couple beers after work because that's how you like to unwind, don't use that as your excuse. Motherfucker, get home and smoke an entire joint, throw up, green out, and hope to God your mum looks after you. And then at least you've got some point of comparison to know that you do like drinking beer more than you like smoking weed. But here's an idea. Why don't you get home, put the dog on a leash, and go for a walk around the block? Why don't you get home, jump on your push bike, and go for a ride up a really steep hill, turn around, and then come down again? Just anything, do. Why don't you get home and do a Sudoku? Why don't you get home and read a chapter of a book? Why don't you get home and get all of those cans that you've drunk all the piss out of, crush them up, put them in a bag and take them somewhere and change it for the money and then spend that money on a Sudoku book. Just anything so that you, instead of falling into the trap of being like everyone else, which I know seems to be the fucking goal for the majority of people because there is so much less individualistic kind of characteristics coming out in people these days. It, it proves in society with the simple fact that people go out and drink alcohol they don't like drinking. That's my, that's my point. You know what I mean? Now, look, obviously I'm not a drinker and it's really easy to have this, this kind of uh, attitude that I have or this point of view that I have. What I'm asking you is to not look at it from your point of view and not look at it from my point of view, but look at it from a third party, top perspective point of view where you just watch how people act. Right. I had this great conversation with a friend of mine the other day. He said, you know, the thing I like about you is like every 15 minutes you seem to say the same thing. I said, what's that? He goes, what's going on? What's going on? And you know why I say what's going on? Because so many times I find myself in situations where I try not to be reactive as Jake Kerr. I try to be reactive as a fly on the wall and just ask, like, what are these humans doing? What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like if you look at going to the pub on a Friday night because all your friends are there and blah, blah, blah. Like super cool, super cool. Like I I totally understand doing that. And I do that. I like going to a bar where I know my friends are going to be and I love being social, right? The part that I don't understand, the part that I ask myself, what are you doing? Is when I hand over a ridiculous amount of money for like a quarter of what's in this cup. What's going on? right? Oh, wait, 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 wait. You put it in a cocktail glass with a straw and shave some chocolate on top. Why the fuck would you put liquid elevated off the platform that it's trying to stand on in a non-stable glass and then call it a cocktail? What's going on? You know, that doesn't make sense. That's one of those things that you say that out loud and you sound like a prick, but in reality, from a third party point of view, from that fly on the wall, You would be asking yourself, what are these humans doing? How come they just traded more money than what they earn in an hour? More money than what they earn in an hour for this one drink that is that much liquid that will have in, in, in like, in all honesty, a negative effect on their body, right? They're going to get like an hour of enjoyment out of that, the feeling they're going to get from that and then pay for it with two hours tomorrow, right? What's going on? What's going on? You just ask yourself, and like, this is the thing. Most of the time I find myself looking at things, the things that people really look forward to. When I find myself in those situations, most of the time I look around and go like, well, why are people enjoying themselves? Are they they here for two hours and have 10 minutes of pure joy and they focus on that 10 minutes and forget about the rest? And I think partying is a really, really easy example to talk about. And anyone who knows me, fucking knows I love to party. You know what I mean? Everyone loves to party. It's one of those things that's really like you're there, it's happening. And if it's, if it's popping, it's popping. It's such a good feeling. You never want it to end. You don't want the sun to come up. It's great, right? It's fucking great. But also when else in your life is heaps of loud music, your, your shoes sticking to the ground, people that you don't know trying to talk to you about shit you don't care about, 
You know what I mean? Smoking cigarettes that are fucking like some bullshit brand that you've never heard of rolled by someone that you met 15 minutes ago. What's going on? You know what I mean? Like realistically, we're focusing on that little bit of thing that's good and saying that this is good. And I feel like that's what's going on with drinking alcohol. You know what I mean? People think that like some of the best memories I had when I were when I was fucked up. Okay, cool, cool. So if you drunk out of a hundred nights and you had two nights that were absolutely killer, does that validate the other 98 nights that you got pissed for? Does that validate all that money that you spent? Does that validate all the sleep that your body didn't get because it was busy processing poison within your body while you're resting with your eyes closed? Does it validate that? What's going on? What's going on? You know? And the only reason I don't like alcohol is because it seems to be a poison. It seems to be no matter whether I drink beer or whether I drink spirits, or whether I drink wine, from the second that it like goes into my mouth, it tastes like shit. And then it goes down into my stomach and it feels like there is white fire in my stomach that is burning me from the inside out. It makes me need to shit straight away. It makes me anxious. It makes me feel sick. And as it moves through all of my intestines or whatever the fuck it does, it makes me feel like pure death, right? And the thing that I know about the human body, the thing that I can guarantee you because perhaps maybe in another life I tried this to the absolute fullest extent that I possibly could, it doesn't matter what you do. If you keep doing it, your body will adapt and it will become easier right? If you're a non-smoker and right now you go and smoke a cigarette and I mean fucking smoke it. You know what I mean? I mean, smoke it in three drags. Keep pulling on it until you've got no bloody air left in your lungs and then (gasps) suck that smoke in, hold it and then blow it out and then do that again and then do that again and then flick that cunt out the window because you're a considerate bastard. Tell me how your throat feels, right? Your throat feels like pure shit. You know why? Because you've just got hot smoke and forced it down your fucking airways when you've got these nice, pure, virgin, bloody airways and lungs for that, that the smoke has never touched before. Now, immediately, that mucous membrane turns into like almost a burnt situation and you'll feel it. You'll feel hoarse, you feel gross, you want to drink cold water, you want to fucking suck on Vicks vapor drops to get rid of that feeling. But you know what happens when you smoke five cigarettes a day for two, three weeks? You don't feel it. You don't feel it at all. That burn turns into a scar and that scar turns into a nice hard layer of mucous membrane that smoke can pass, piece of piss, as much as you want until you're all done smoking cigarettes, right? So let's uh, let's cross-reference this analogy. If you drink piss that first day you're 18, and I I know everyone, yeah, you're pretty cool. You drunk it when you were 14 or 15, you, but let's pretend you're a good boy and you started drinking when you were 18. The first time you drink it, you're like, Oh, that's what I've been missing out on? Okay. Okay. You know, it is what it is. You drink it again. You're like, oh, okay. Then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you have a blowout night where you drunk a little bit too much piss. And now, you, you know, you've thrown up four different colors and you put yourself off that alcohol for the rest of your life, whether it's fucking, I think it, for me, it was like butterscotch schnapps. You know, like that was my first serious like power spews on butterscotch snaps and just fucking now I smell butterscotch and like my asshole puckers up and I start having like, you know, suicidal thoughts. But where was I going? But the thing is, you keep drinking, you keep drinking, you keep drinking. Years pass and now you're 21 and now you can drink spirits, you can drink beer, you, you know, you've got a preference. And by preference, you mean the thing that you like drinking the most. And even by that, I kind of mean like the thing that you don't not mind drinking the least, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like out of these 10 terrible tasting things, that one tastes the least worst, right? I, I honestly feel like that if you fucking get rid of all the ego and all the bullshit, that is actually the majority of how people feel. It's like, oh yeah, but a nice cold beer on a warm summer's afternoon. Bitch, have you tried cold water? It's fucking amazing. And dude, you do know what's wild? Your body is actually like in that situation, a nice warm afternoon where you're slightly dehydrated, you're already thirsty, which means you're already dehydrated. If you drink water, and actually if you drink water with a little pinch of salt and some lemon, bro, you're giving your body everything it needs to continue doing what you want to do. I'm not saying don't drink piss. I'm just saying, dude, have you tried the thing that your body is yearning for when you're fucking thirsty? Bruh, what's going on? You know, what's going on? I know that that's a really great feeling, but in comparison to like everything else, it's just a feeling. It's not something that paramounts everything. 
You know what I mean? Oh yeah, but I like the bubbles. Drink fucking sparkling water. Oh yeah, but I like the hops and the and that fucking liquid carb taste. Okay, bro. Okay. What are you talking about? Anyway, I went off the deep end on that one. I was meant to be talking about my first drug experience, which I'm sure some people are just like sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to hear about. By the way, Just so you know, there's some things that I feel like... I don't know if it's fucking raining outside or if it's not. There are some things that I think I've said on the podcast. And there are some things that um, I have said on the podcast like half a dozen times thinking that I haven't said it. Just so you know. And these are all just, you know, like kind of generic things. Thank yous and all the rest. Not that I don't mean thank you when I say thank you. Just more, you know, I, sometimes I say things too much. And I just hope it's not um, aggravating if you're someone who listens to all the podcasts. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, if you do listen to all the podcasts and everything, thank you so much. I just like, I'm starting to get messages from people who like I haven't heard of in like six years, seven years, people who I used to have either heaps to do with or very little to do with. And now they've caught on to this, this, this podcast that I'm doing and they're listening to every episode and I'm having this kind of like intimate one way conversation with them and they're reaching out and saying like, hey, I love your podcast. I love this particular part that you spoke about. I actually feel like this about this. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love hearing that, okay? So if you're kind of like half sitting on the edge of your seat wondering whether or not you should let me know how you feel about something, please do because as I say in all my podcasts, I feel like a fucking idiot talking to myself on my phone. So any little bit of like, um, kind of, I wouldn't say gratification, but like, you know what I mean? Like almost like a, well, not certification. It's like a locking in that I'm actually doing something that people are listening to because the, the analytics that I get from like Spotify and iTunes and YouTube don't really suggest that I have heaps of people listening to me. And in all honesty, I'm only doing this to fucking exercise the muscle of getting good at talking about something without having someone helping me or having to interact in a conversation. This is something that I'm trying to get good at. So, you know, in the future, when I have these situations where whether this turns into something or whether black ink takes another direction, I have, have that skill ready to go. And actually, before I get to my story, I do want to talk about um, a conversation that I had with a, a good friend of mine, uh, Jack Minoni. Now, Jack Minoni is uh, someone, him and I have had a really interesting kind of uh, relationship. He, not interesting, he's a really good guy. He's someone that I, um, I don't think we took each other seriously at the start of our, at the start of our like knowing each other. And then very quickly, once we realized like, oh, you have an enterprise brain. This is how I felt about him. I'm like, you have an entrepreneurial enterprise kind of like you see opportunity and even if you don't move on it, you see it. You see things like, oh, that could be this if we did this, this and this. This could make money if we did this, this and this. We could create this if we put all of our eggs in one basket. And the interesting thing about Jack is like we kind of split ways for, we split ways for, not split ways, we just had our own lives, you know what I mean? And haven't spoken for maybe a couple of years and had this conversation on the phone the other day and one of those brilliant conversations where it feels like you never stop talking and just like you get off the phone feeling like energized and ready to do things and have fun with life again and you know all those little projects that you kind of maybe self-doubted yourself with well for me there's some some little projects in the back of my mind that I was like you know this isn't something that uh, I'm going to chase down you kind of like reignite that flame and go like nah man like he kind of reminded me that I'm the sort of bad motherfucker that gets things done because I was talking to someone who gets things done and one of the things that we talked about in this conversation was the, um, the art of practicing being social and conversational. And it was really interesting because he said that uh, some advice that he got from his kind of network of mentors from people that are older, older than him in the same game, they say, look, do your job, do the thing that you're doing, because that's kind of a standard, you know, you're here to do your thing. He's in finance, by the way. Do the thing that you're doing, but something to focus on is networking. And I always thought networking was, was the um, art or act of building a group of people around you that you all have communication with and you share ideas and all the rest. And I think what I took away from the conversation that I, that, that I had with Jack and this piece of advice that he got that he was kind of inherently giving to me by, by bringing it up was networking is the art of having the conversation, right? So... I, I give my I give myself the responsibility of making sure that I'm talking with other business owners, industry leaders, 
um, people like ideasmen, executors, people who are out there doing things, you know what I mean? Businessmen and women who are striving to do better with their business and do better with themselves personally. And the thing that you learn is like the first skill that you have to get really fucking good at is time management. You have to understand that these people like right now, I'm at the, I'm at step one. I might be like, I'm not, I'm not on step one. I'm like on step one with my left leg and I've got my right leg on the way to step two. And I'm trying to have conversations with people who are on the 12th step. I'm trying to have conversations with people who are on the fifth step, who are on the 25th step, who are on the 40th step. And the first thing you realize I'm on step one and I don't have any time to do that. So if you're on the 25th step and I'm trying to have a conversation with you, at least for like, I would love half an hour, I would die for two hours. Dude, we got to book this shit two weeks in advance. We got to make sure that it fits in with the other shit that they're doing. I have to make sure that I'm free for that thing. Then you realize you're doing this with so many people and like the amount of people that I try and have conversations with versus the amount of people that I actually sit down and talk with. One number is in the double digits and one number is in the single digits. Because the reality is not that people don't want to talk to me, but people are not time rich, especially these people. You know what I mean? They don't work eight until four and then go home and on Tuesday nights have footy practice. They're working from the minute they wake up until a minute after they go to sleep and they dream about what they're trying to make in the future. That's the reality of these people. So to be able to have that conversation, I need to know the mode of communication that is best for speaking with this person to organize that thing. I need to appreciate how much time they have spare and the sort of meeting that we're going to arrange. You know what I mean? So I know within myself, that if I'm sitting down with someone who's really fucking smart, I don't want to have any background noise when we're, wherever we're sitting because I can't fucking concentrate on more than one thing at once and I need to be locked into you when we're talking. So I need to figure out something that's suitable for them and suitable for me. And then I need to close and follow up. I need to make sure that, say, okay, 11 o'clock Tuesday, 11 o'clock Tuesday it is, locked in. Make sure it's in my diary. Make sure it's in their diary. And when it comes to Monday, five o'clock in, in the afternoon, send them a message that doesn't need any reply. Just 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'll see you there. And if they see that message, bitch, they're in. And take that as like fucking rock up. And even if they don't rock up, you still rock up. You know what I mean? That is just the first step of instigating the conversation with that person. That, that, that thing of finding out that bit of, and it's not even about finding out bits of information. The thing that I've learned with these conversations that I'm having with people is not even that you need to necessarily have something to talk about and you don't want to talk. Like I go to these conversations, I find myself talking about myself for longer than a minute. I shoot myself in the foot and then I listen to what they have to say. And even if, if it's in response to what I'm saying, I listen and I try to promote them to talk about what they're doing so I can understand what it's like up there, what, what they're thinking about, how do they prioritize, how do they delegate, how do they find time for the things that they find interesting, how do they, how do they exactly prioritize and delegate. I think that's probably the, the two major things that I'm really concerned in because I know that, that it really is time management and energy management that really kind of speaks in numbers when it comes to being successful in business. And once I, so, so okay, so just kind of taking a step back, we've organized the situation. Now, 11 o'clock Tuesday comes around, right? You've met up with them. Let's pause at the moment that you first see each other, right? Pause at that moment. So let's say it's at a cafe, it's in the outdoor area, You've seen their car pull up, you're doing your thing on your phone, and you see them get out of your car. Now, for, this is just an example. I'm gonna run through a bit of an analogy and the why I do things as I do them. So, until they get out of their car, I'm keeping my eyes on my phone because I don't wanna make it awkward for them. I don't wanna make it like they have an audience on them at all, right? They get out of their car, I make eye contact, and obviously, given like the amount of space that we have, I might start to like organize myself, keep my shit on the table so we still have this table, I keep that unlocked, I show that I can control that situation. I stand up to respect them and if we have to close the doubt, I come to them, I meet them halfway. Just because we're sitting at this table doesn't mean that you're any better than them and you let them come to you. You meet them halfway because they've met you here. You know what I mean? They've met you at the cafe. You get up, lock that eye contact, 
you think about something funny, you put on a big smile so they just remember you as the guy that's always happy. You have that hand forward, straight, not turned as if you're a bad motherfucker. You give them a nice, firm, straight handshake. You hold them for a second longer than what you think. And then you ask how they are going. How is your day? Tell me how you're feeling. What's going on? We've got a lot to catch up on. Make it about them. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it is about them. It is definitely about them. That whole block, that like 15 second block of seeing them, walking over to them and shaking hands has taken me years to get right, right? From there, even the ordering process, who pays for what, how to graciously let them pay for your coffee or how to insist that you're gonna pay for theirs, these are all skills that you have to get really good at, right? When you go back to the table, owning the space and understanding that you have a right to drink your coffee, you have a right to have coffee foam in your beard and to, and to graciously be able to like clean yourself up and not make it a part of the conversation and, and make it effortless. You know what I mean? You have the right to, and sorry, you not have the right, but having that confidence to like, if you're having a meal together to carry yourself, like if you're sitting with someone that you really respect that you, you're like, you're there for a conversation and now all of a sudden you're eating a fucking croissant with a knife and fork, feeling like a fuckhead because normally you have your elbows on the table and now you're trying to do it like a duck. What's all that? You know, like you start to realize that all of this actually isn't as easy as just going and sitting down with someone. You actually need to really refine who your character is in that moment, get good at it and be able to apply it under pressure. And furthermore, you have to be able to take on the information that they're giving you and respond confidently and with something worth a fucking grain of fiber. You know what I mean? You have to really have something to offer to that situation. And the thing is, if you're doing this for the first time, you realize how much you're actually not good at. You realize how unconfident you are. You realize how much you don't have to offer. You realize you don't know half the words they're talking about and all the rest, but you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. Instead of being one of those people who's like, yeah, I don't like having face-to-face things. I'd rather do it over Zoom because you'll appreciate the like second delay and you can kind of be wearing track pants like I am right now. You can like, you have that freedom to like, or you, you like doing things over email or over messages so that you have that time to take in what they've said and respond how you want. No, you're not that sort of person. You're weak as piss and you just need to get stronger. You just need to exercise the muscle. So this whole thing, and like before before I kind of wrap this up and talk about my first drug experience, which I'm not going to have time to do, but then once you've done all of that, even down to like where you put your plate, what you do with the knife and fork, even if it's like not fiddling with the coffee cup in front of you, how to, how to position yourself on the table, not to look at your phone, just to make sure that you don't have anything in your act, in your back pockets that's going to upset you or cause you to jitter or take your mind off what you're talking about. And then when everything's done, closing the whole situation so that person feels like that they've got the most out of that situation from you and they want to do it again, right? It's kind of like, I'd like to pepper in enough of my success with people who understand the level that I'm at so that they get intrigued and involved in my progress and almost feel the want to sit down with me again because they get to talk about themselves and they get to keep up with what's going on with Jake Kerr and Black Ink. How's that? You know what I mean? So what I've realized is the art of networking has actually got little to do with building a community around you of of smart people who are all kind of willing to put in their bits and pieces and rah, rah. It's got more to do with the art of communication and being social. It's got more to do with understanding who you are in these situations where you've got to come up with something witty. It's understanding exactly how long a handshake is meant to go for. It's understanding how to make someone feel valued and honored and respected, right? And it's also being in a situation where if somebody is going to apply all of that back on you, being gracious in your acceptance of those beautiful virtues, right? It's understanding who you are. Networking is so much more. And you know, the example that I use with Jack Bononi, just to kind of cement what I thought he was talking about, was, you know that, I'll struggle to find the perfect fitting for who this is. But uh, it's funny because I used to find a lot of the old school truck drivers in the transport yards that my dad used to manage up north. They're really good at this, right? And also, this kind of breaches into that, that, uh, what do you call it? This breaches into that topic of being a brilliant man. That's someone who's taken the time to refine their character into someone who is not only good at communicating in a network and business sense, but it's someone who is good at life 
as someone who's good at being them in the endeavor that they have towards being born and dying. You know what I mean? Someone who is embracing the journey and figuring out exactly what shape they need to make to fit the hold that life has cut out for them. You know what I mean? So the analogy that I use with Jack Maloney, it's like, you know, when you have a conversation with with that, with that guy and he's like 5, 10, 20 years older than you maybe and right as he leaves he goes anyway he says what he says something kind of witty and he gives you a bit of a wink as he turns away and you're kind of left there going like I kind of feel special you know what I mean I kind of feel like he, like he, he might be my dad you know like he cared about me so much in that moment he wanted to leave me with something he wanted to leave me like a little feeling rah, rah, rah. I'm not saying you got played I'm saying you were part of an experience he was creating you know, as soon as I said this to Jack, he's like, that's exactly it. Someone who has refined themselves down to a character that they get and that they can offer you. And they know to wink with their left eye because they know it's heats better than their right eye. You know, that person, someone who really kind of sees the opportunity for this something to be slid in and it's going to fit just perfectly and they do it. And the reason that they know it is because they've done it a million times and they've fucked it up 900,000 times, but the last 100,000, they fucking hit the nail on the head. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. It's becoming that person who confidently walks up, who doesn't have that moment of terror, you know, terror thinking like, how does my left leg go in front of my right leg while they're walking up to the person that they want to impress or hopefully be in business with one day? Do you understand? It's really like taking a scary situation and making it something that you're excited about. You know? I'm even down to the point where I know that the minutes leading up to these interactions that I have when I'm driving to the place or whatever, I turn my music off, I take my AirPods out, I check all of my teeth, I make sure I don't have any dry skin on my face, I might even give my beard a bit of a straighten up even though it's part of my character to be kind of messy. I make sure my hair is as it's meant to be. I don't have any fucking, you know, just ridiculous things. You know what I mean? You just like, you make sure that the absolute kind of baseline standard of well being well presented and having a clear mind and going in. And this is a thing, even thinking about what you're going to talk about before you go and talk about it. If he asks or if she asks uh, about my business, what am I going to bring up first? If they ask about my living situation, am I going to talk about it in a negative or a positive light? If my finances come up, am I someone who is, you know, struggling to make ends meet? Or am I someone who's in the thick of business and just embracing the fucking process? These are all questions that you want to have answered before you go there because you don't want to be the guy who spends a whole time thinking and looking up into the space and like, um, well, I guess I sort of, and I'm fucking terrible for that. I'm only saying that because it's something I'm not good at, you know, you just kind of, um, I, 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 um, yeah, <laughs> I can speak more confidently in a podcast with no one fucking talking back than I can face to face some days, I swear. But look, enough about that. I love that topic and I, I kind of, I think I could keep talking about it for another half an hour, but what I do want to talk about is my first drug experience because I went deep into the vault of my fucking mind remembering this and I kind of like remembered some, some, uh, dates and whatnot that it happened and how it went down. And it's actually a super interesting story. So this all starts when I was, uh, I was, and as I said, I'm not going to mention any names. I'm, I don't want to get fucking, it's, it's not about that. What I, it's, it's about the experience that I had. So I'm just going to say people. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to, I might even give them fake names for the sake of the story if they need it. So basically what was happening at the time was I, uh, fuck. Yeah, it's just, it's super hard to talk about, isn't it? So, I've, uh, I, I, I was in, I was kind of involved with some people, some friends at the time, and they were like pretty close friends who were in the business of selling drugs, essentially, you know? And it was all pretty light shit, you know, like people who sold weed and people who sold, it was pretty much weed. And like, I remember like hearing about acid and you'd be like, dude, what the fuck? That's crazy. And to like give you some kind of pretext, like, so I, I, I would sell my like secondhand toys and shit, things I found under my bed, things that I wasn't playing with anymore. I foolishly sold my fucking stamp album that my mum and I kind of built together over a, a period of time when I was super young for $25 to Kimberly. I know I've already said that on the podcast, but I still feel bad about it. I was selling things. I was kind of buying and selling, wheeling and dealing when I was, I want to say in like year five, year six, when I was, um, year six, definitely I was doing it. Year five, potentially, when I was living in Port Hedland. Uh, when I moved to Bunbury, uh, which is when I was 10, uh, the Christmas after when I was 10, so 25 days after my birthday, we uh, 
I remember for the longest time, my best mate in high school, uh, he was, I didn't realize it, but he was a stone. This is how fucking green I was, dude. Like I, I really was someone who took pride on the fact that I was never going to smoke or drink or do drugs or anything. And like, even up until I was like 19, I remember it being like a bragging point of my dad's saying to his mates, like, yep, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs. None of that. He's just fucking straighty 180. He is who he is. I remember when I was living in Holland for a period of time, I think there was like three weeks in a row where I was going out and getting pissed. And that was kind of like my, my, and like, I wasn't even of age there, but there no one really cares. You know what I mean? Like you go into the bar and they're just like sweet or like you tell them you're a speed skater and they'd like take you to the VIP room. Cause that's how fucking shit worked in, in hit vein. You know, they, they, they adored speed skaters, especially because that's where, um, that's where, what's his name? Uh, Oh, what is his name? He He's like the best speed skater in the world. And he just, um, at that stage, he was either just about to or just competed in the Olympics and got like fucking 30 fucking gold medals for the Netherlands. Anyway, uh, fuck, not killed. Um, damn it, what's his name? It's not important. He's a speed skater. No one's going to know the reference anyway. So I was pretty fucking, I was pretty straight. I, I didn't like... And kind of, I kind of drunk the same amount back then as what I do now. So if we're going out tonight, it's Friday night and there's something going on and there's drinks there. Like I've got some, you know, I've got like fucking three or four, uh, six packs that have a couple cans left over in them. So I might take two of those and someone's got beer. Like everyone always gives me their drinks because they're like, oh, we know you don't drink, so have some of mine sort of thing. And I never really, I might have one or two, you know, but I drank about the same amount back then as what I do now. It's just, I wasn't my thing, you know? And even though it wasn't my thing, I realized that if you can get your hand, your hands on a packet of cigarettes, which at the time were however much they were, you can sell them for a dollar and make all your money back and some, or you can sell them for two dollars each and make a decent amount of money. You know what I mean? And the kids at private schools love smoking cigarettes. So this started by stealing my parents' cigarettes and selling them and then getting to a point where I could get cigarette packs bought for me by this stoner mate of mine who, as I said, I didn't know he was fucking smoking weed, let alone selling it, you know? And um, so, yeah, I kind of like started, I started like selling fucking cigarettes and all, all the rest back then. And I, so being around people who were like, and this is a thing, as a teenager, you don't see people selling drugs as people being drug dealers. You don't see it as like trafficking or distribution of an illegal product. You see it as your mates selling weed. You know what I mean? And a lot of these guys were like, they'd buy an ounce and sell it in sticks so that they could keep the leftover weed and smoke it themselves. They weren't even doing it for a profit. They were doing it literally just so they can smoke weed. And then when you know what weed actually is, you realize that the, the fact that someone can have their freedom taken away from them from doing that is fucking insane. You know what I mean? There is literally 101 ways how you can fuck someone on the internet and make millions of dollars and never go to jail for it. And then people can literally have their freedom take away or massive fines for doing exactly what I was just talking about. What's going on, right? So I I have a feeling that someone is here to do some work on the house. That's okay. Just give me one sec, okay? I'm not gonna pause the video. You can just fucking hold out. So, <clears throat> with these blokes selling, uh, yeah, selling weed and six and all that, I really didn't think anything of it. So I was just like, you know, I sell cigarettes. I used to sell things here and there. And I mean, I even had a period where I was selling um, like popcorn and chocolates that I'd remold. Re like I would buy chocolate molds from the shops, and I'd buy chocolate and melt it, pour it into these molds, and then I would sell these particular chocolate molds. So like at Easter, I would. I would mold like Easter eggs and rabbits and all the rest. And I do swirls with white and dark chocolate and I would sell them and popcorn. So I got like a popcorn machine and popcorn and at the markets, people would come through and I make them a bag of popcorn and sell it to them. So I was quite like a young entrepreneurial sort of dude. And I'm sure my mum has another fucking hundred thousand things that I bought and sold that I've forgotten about. But one thing that, sorry, right. One thing that I kind of forgot about, not f forgot about, one thing that happened kind of like, I, I remember I had, 
hadn't quite moved out of home yet. I think I was just about to move. No, I was living at dad's place. And um, I was with my first like proper girlfriend at the time. And I remember one of my mates said like, oh, the, the, um, such and such has the this, whatever it is. It's, uh, I They had a name for it. I forget what they called it. But, you know, they said, we're, we're selling these. If you want to, like, if you know anyone that wants some of these, just let us know. If you want some, we'll sell them to you for cost. And, rah, rah. and I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. And there were these caps, the big caps. And I remember saying like, oh, well, what is it? They're like, oh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, um, it's like acid, but it's not, but it, you know, you trip out on it. And I was like, oh, okay. So w- w- what is it? I said, well, at the time, if you remember th- this news story had just come out about bath salts and how this dude was fucking, I think this dude had smoked bath salts or something. And then he was like found eating the face off someone and then as he got up and the cops went towards him they were shooting him and shit and he just like kept on walking at them like a fucking zombie and it was like this whole bath salt zombie apocalypse that was going on in America it was like you know some new fucking amazing drug that we had never seen or heard of before and uh it was PCP now I don't I'm not a chemist I don't, I'm not a fucking drug enthusiast I don't really know what PCP is I don't understand the the chemical makeup of these things and what compounds are and all the rest he goes it's not pcp it's not bar salts it's heaps safer than that it's called 2cp now i'm still not sure what 2cp is i've done a google search maybe half a dozen times in the past 10 years about what it is but it didn't really concern me because at that stage i was like okay cool if i know anyone chasing 2cp i'll let you know you know and then they started doing it and then their friends started doing it. And it was just like a normal thing that people were doing. And like anything, you're only the product of your five best friends. You know what I mean? So it was kind of something that like, I think I'm, maybe at one stage I, I got my hands on like one or two of them or, I, you know, for the sake of entertainment, I might've theoretically been been selling them. I don't, I don't remember. Like it wasn't, or like, you know, I knew someone who wanted like five once and then I bought seven and the amount that I sold him five, I got to keep the other two or, you know, I didn't do that, but I'm saying if I did do it, that's how I would have done it. And, um, so yeah, I had like two left over and I remember saying to my girlfriend at the time, I was like, Oh, we should, we should try this. You know what I mean? Like everyone seems to be having a fat time on it and you know, it just seems to be fucking whatever, you know? Now, to give you some context, I used to sleep kind of, uh, so for anyone who knows me, it was like in the downstairs room, which essentially means it's this big room at the bottom of the stairs that you have to walk through to get to the back door. And then there's like a, a pool room, which is where I used to record the podcast. And I kind of had my bed at the, at the end of this room, right? And at this point, my girlfriend at the time was living with me. I think we were like in between houses or something even, because for some reason, I feel like it wasn't normal that, that we were there. Anyway, there is someone here now. Anyway, so we ended up, uh, I said, you know, do you want to try? She's like, no, nah, it's not really my thing, rah, rah. And like, I didn't know at the time, but she was also um, very, uh, she, she had a liking for marijuana herself, which of course me being kind of straighty 180 had no idea about this. And she, I later found out she was hiding this from me. Louie, that's enough. Louie. She's going to continuously go on. That's all good. Anyway, Lou Dog, Louie, I'm in the good part of the story. Come here. Come here. Come on. Come sit on me lap. No, come here. Come here. Come here. Oh, here she is. I know. You're a little hairy earthworm. True, true, true. We're just going to get the end of this podcast out. Come on. So anyway, I end up convincing her to do this 2CP with me. And uh, we say like, right, we'll take a cap, we'll cut it in half, like we'll empty it, we'll cut it in half and we'll snort it. So we have half each. Now, if you're going in as like a fucking first time drug user and doing 2CP, half a cap, you may as well take a whole cap because your body, like not only is your, your body and your brain not at all used to having this compound in you, but also your like drug staking your your drug taking consciousness has never had anything like this so the first so your drug taking mind is kind of like looking at it like going oh my god this is fucking crazy so we end up taking this fucking half a cap hey stop you need to stop so we end up taking this half a cap each and like snorting it and literally within like two or three minutes i was like i fucked up i fucked up and it was like 9 30 at night 
And to make it even worse, I had a fucking training course the next day that work had paid for. Because at this stage, I was working as a process operator earning good money. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know, the kid on the crew who didn't smoke cigarettes, who didn't go on these fishing trips with the boys because I didn't drink and I didn't get any of the whole fucking culture around it. And now it's 9.30 on a fucking Tuesday or something. And I've got, no, it was a Sunday night because it was starting the next morning. It was training and assessing Cert 4 and I had a full week of it. And tomorrow was the first day. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, we'll do this for a couple hours and then we'll go to bed and all be good. Dude, I was hallucinating as hard as you can fucking imagine from that moment until like halfway through the next day. I had to drive myself to fucking the, the, the training course the next day and like, you know, go through the bullshit where you introduce yourself, go around the room, go through all the basics. And like, if you've done a training course before, you know, at the best of times are the hardest thing to stay awake through, let alone fucking trip your balls through, you know? So I, and like, all I remember from the night is like having fucking characters off PlayStation games and stuff coming live out of the fucking, out of the like cartons that, you know, out of, off the, uh, what was it called? Like the game case that the games come and remember them like becoming alive and like standing up on my TV unit and like looking at me and doing things and then going back into the case. It was just the wildest fucking situation ever. And you know, at the time you kind of like dealing with things one minute at a time. And I didn't want to wake up my, I, 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 I didn't want to wake up my dad at the time. Cause obviously it's like, he took so much pride in me not being someone who did drugs or anything. And now I'm tripping my balls off on 2CP, which is a drug that either of us have ever heard of, and there's no way that he can help me. So you're starting to go through like, right, do I fucking go to the hospital? What do I do? And like my girlfriend at the time, she's just kind of dying on the bed as well, saying she doesn't like it and she wants it to stop. So I'm trying to hold my shit together for her and me. Oh man. And now I look back on it. It's just like, hey dude, smoke some weed and chill out. Don't ever do hallucinogens for your first fucking drug experience. And furthermore, don't do a drug that you haven't heard of and nobody's heard of, you know? It was just a fucking, it was a tough time. It was a tough time. But of course, that's the story that fucking Jake Kerr, Jake Kerr has as his first drug experience. It was fucking nuts. <laughs> and man, if you had 2CP now, there is not a hope in hell I would even look at it, dude. That was crazy. Anyway, as Louis has kind of suggested and the sounds you might be hearing says, we're going to have to go because I think um, we're going to have to go for a walk around the block, aren't we? Hey, you going to say hello to the camera now? You want to say goodbye for me? Sign us out? Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry for the um, delayed getting to the topic of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been something you've taken something away from. Do me a favor, like, comment, subscribe, go onto my Facebook, TikTok, fucking send me a message on my personal number. Do it all, man. I want to hear from you. I hope you're enjoying yourself. Have a lovely day. Be good to your mother. And I am out. Yo!